Australia would become the first country to ban engineered stone bench tops this year, and there are calls for New Zealand to follow. The potentially fatal lung disease, silicosis, is a risk for tradies who work with the artificial stone, commonly used for kitchen and bathroom bench tops, if they breathe in the silica dust as they cut it. As of November last year, WorkSafe visited 60 of the 132 businesses who use the product here, issuing notices to 31 of them for not fully complying with protective measures. ACC has developed a tool to identify people at risk of accelerated silicosis. The latest figures from August last year show 190 workers are seeking further testing. Across the Tasman, there'll be a complete ban of the product from July. This follows years of campaigning from doctors, trade unions and workers. Melbourne-based respiratory physician, a physician, Dr Ryan Hoy, has been part of that fight, treating some of the city's biggest uh, or sickest workers. He's also led a Monash University study which found one in four workers in Victoria who worked with engineered stone had developed silicosis. He's with us first, Dr Ryan Hoy, who's from the Australasian Thoracic Society. Good morning and welcome. Thanks for your time this morning. Morning, Catherine. Thanks for having me. You've treated some of those who've developed silicosis. Can you tell us about the disease and what it does? Catherine, it's a, it's a terrible disease. This is an entirely preventable disease. There should be zero people contracting silicosis. It's specifically caused by inhaling really fine particles of silica dust into the lungs. And that silica dust then triggers off this cycle of inflammation, which then causes scar tissue. And that scar tissue is irreversible once that develops in the lungs. So you can imagine the more and more scar tissue you get in the lungs, the lungs become stiffer. It impacts the lungs' ability to get oxygen into the bloodstream. And this just causes worsening, worsening breathing problems. And, you know, tragically, we see some of these workers developing respiratory failure and potentially even dying as a result of this disease. How much exposure to silica dust does it take before this can develop? Well, the amount of exposure d- depends on a few factors. What we've seen in the stone benchtop industry, certainly here in Australia and internationally, is really, really poor work environments where workers have been exposed to high levels, especially because of dry cutting of stone. And people can develop this disease even within a couple of years of that sort of exposure. But even at a really low level, so the amount that's actually regulated through most countries, if you're exposed to that level over the entire work period of, say, 40 years, about 70 in a 1,000 workers will still get silicosis. So even a small level over many, many years can still cause this lung disease. The industry may point, does point in some instances, to great variation in adherence to safety procedures. And how challenging is it to have truly robust safety procedures? This is with respect to PPE and masking, wet cutting, not dry cutting, and isolating the areas where the work's happening from where workers are taking their gear off. Is it possible? In my experience, having spoken to hundreds and hundreds of workers in this industry over the last few years, I really don't think it's possible. You know, I think that, you know, workers are dealing with this material which contains an enormous amount of silica day in, day out. They're using high-intensity power tools to modify it. 
And it's so hard for them to actually control the generation of dust, which can then cause lung disease. And we're not talking about just controlling it one or two days. We're talking about it every single day that they go to work. And, you know, that's why in Australia, you know, this ban is going to come into effect. It really reflects the level of risk in this material. Can you tell us more about the study you undertook in, the Victor- in Victoria into the prevalence of silicosis among the workforce? Yeah, well, this is the largest study of workers in the stone benchtop industry that's been undertaken to date. So we investigated 540 workers from the industry in Victoria, and these were workers that were participating in a health screening program. So they really had a thorough assessment, including chest X-ray, and the majority also had a CT scan. And really what we found was alarming. So we found that the work conditions were very poor, We found that about 90% had been exposed to dry cutting of stone, and that dry cutting causes high-level silica exposure. And we found that 117 out of 414 that had a CT scan had silicosis, and 21 of those have really advanced silicosis. So 28%. And so this is a disease that there should be zero workers contracting if there's good control measures in place and there's no exposure to silica. So this is really a completely un- unacceptable level of disease. Indeed it is. You mentioned there, though, 90% had been exposed to dry cutting. And when did best practice in inverted commas become required and has it been adhered to? Well, dry cutting itself you know, is one of the really terrible um, work conditions that have been going on. But you know, when we think about you know, the actual measures which will protect workers, elimination of the hazard is going to be the most effective by far. So you know, measures such as using water will reduce the amount of silica, but it won't eliminate it. Providing a worker a mask is really not going to be effective at all to protect these workers. They can't wear masks religiously throughout their work shifts when they're doing really very physical work. So really elimination of the hazard is by far the most effective way to actually protect workers in this industry. The alarm was sounded back, I think, as early as 2016, so coming up eight years. What's been the process to get to the point of a world-first ban? Well, concerningly, there were warnings about this from 2010 from overseas. You know, we started seeing outbreaks in Spain and Israel, you know, in the United States, really, for many years. And the, this, the response has been too slow. We shouldn't be waiting until workers are getting sick and dying from a completely preventable disease before action is actually taken. So really, there were warnings when this material started to enter our countries that there was risk associated with it. And really, action should have been taken at that time to protect workers, not at this point, many, many years down the track. What's been the reaction to the imposition? I know you don't like to be asked, well, what's the alternative? And I understand that. You're a, you know, you're a, you're a scientist and a, and a, um, a medical physician. Um, but what's been the reaction? Just as New Zealand thinks about this and continues its own process, from industry, from beyond, uh, are, are there actually other ways of uh, going about things without this product? And are there is there adaptation already underway? Absolutely. You know, this is a material we don't need. You know, this is a material that's only been with us since 2000. So it's not like it's something we've had forever. Although it's so widely used now, we kind of just sort of assume it's going to be here. We can't you know, live without it. 
Um, you know, it's a material that's very much used because of its appearance. So we can absolutely live without it. So, yeah, I'm not a kitchen designer. I'm not an architect, so I shouldn't be recommending, you know, what goes in. But, you know, for example, actually, I was at um, Ikea here in Melbourne on the weekend. And, you know, in their kitchen department, it's pretty amazing now that they have agreed also to this ban on engineered stone. So they're really phasing that out from their showrooms. So, you know, there's much more emphasis on using woods, natural stone like marble and granite um, and, you know, other materials which were thought to be a bit passe like laminate. So there are lots of things that can be used, but more research needs to be done in terms of the safety of some of the reduced silica content engineered stone, which some of the manufacturers are really promoting pretty heavily at the moment. And the safety of working with those new low silica content engineered stones really hasn't been proven independently at this stage. So at the moment, because this is something else the industry will argue, that they're moving towards low silica, will the ban uh, on, uh, on engineered stone, will the ban cover that as well? That's correct. So the, the recommendations from Safe Work Australia agreed by all Australian governments was a ban on the use of all engineered stone, not just engineered stone that contains greater than 40% silica. So that's a really strong um, stance that the Australian government has taken. And that said in their recommendation and what they've agreed to is that the lower silica content material needs to be studied further to actually demonstrate that it is actually safe for workers to use before that's actually approved. Can I ask you, and again, we're speaking to you as a physician, but we're getting questions, I'm not surprised about this, about working with natural stone with high silica content. This can get confusing for consumers. Sometimes they will have a stone that is labelled a natural stone and may be one, but has still been engineered. And on the other side of the coin, there's the option of natural stone that may have high silica content. Silica itself being a naturally occurring um, thing. So I've got someone asking already, does the same risk exist when working with natural stone with high silica content? Is that something you can speak to? Yes, and you know the story doesn't end with engineered stone, high silica content engineered stone. Like we're concerned about silica in so many materials. What that about, work what about headstones, Doctor Hoy? That was an issue also with stone masons. What's used commonly in headstones? Generally, it's granite that right. headstones are made out of, which is about thirty percent silica. But you know, you think about concrete. Concrete has about sort of thirty to fifty percent silica in it. Tiles have a lot of silica in it. So you know, we need to be thinking well beyond uh, engineered stone in terms of the risk to workers. So I completely agree that you know this area can be very confusing, but. Yeah, the key thing is to be thinking about silica in any work environment, not just in the, in the stone benchtop industry. Thank you uh, very much, Dr Ryan Hoy. Just to that point, uh, a carpenter who wishes to re- name, remain nameless is emailed in. Uh, thanks for addressing silicosis in relation to the fake stone products, but there is a whole range of silica-based products, compressed concrete, cladding and various forms on building sites that create exactly the same issue as these stone bench tops. Sadly, there's remarkably little attention on the issue, and even the best building firms seem to struggle to manage the problem well. Some firms are very good about letting employees get required respiratory protection, but it takes a lot more than that because clothing also gets covered in the dust 
podcast as well. Let's welcome our next guest. Uh, she is Merin Tafai, and she is with the University of Auckland, where she's the director of Auckland Bioengineering Institute and specialises in imaging and models of lung function. Merin, good morning. Good morning. We'll get back to the tangents in a moment, but do you want to pick up first of all on what Australia's doing here and your view on what New Zealand should do? Yeah, look, I think it's fantastic that Australia have made this, you know, very brave and concisive move um, to ban engineered stone. I think it's, you know, it's just a matter of time before other countries follow suit. One would hope that New Zealand would be paying very close attention uh, and and be following suit shortly. You know, we have very similar workplace practices to Australia. Um, engineered stone is just as widely used in New Zealand as it is in Australia. So um, the exposure of our workers to this product is likely very similar. Um, as Dr. Hoy has pointed out, you know, up to 25% of, of, of workers um, in some studies have um, been diagnosed with silicosis. So, you know, the problem in New Zealand uh, is going to be significant um, and there is really no reason uh, for us to be continuing using this product when it puts workers at such risk. Can you tell us more about the the, the progression of the disease, perhaps drawing on the the expertise that you have there at Auckland? Um, What else can you tell us about the trajectory, discovery of it, etc.? Well, the the thing with, you know, with with the lungs, the lungs are really, you know, quite beautifully, elegantly designed um, and can mask a lot of respiratory disease until it's quite significant. Um, So with this condition, although it does appear relatively early compared to other respiratory disease, you know, by the time people are experiencing symptoms, um, there will be quite considerable damage to the lung. Um, It's a progressive disease. It cannot be reversed. Um, lung disease, by and large, can you know d- damage of this type in the lung just cannot be reversed. Um, so when patients are diagnosed, as as Dr. Hoy can speak to, um, you know that that it's about now um, removing that that stimulus, you know that irritant, um, avoiding silico, uh, avoiding silica exposure any further, avoiding cigarette smoking, which will cause acceleration of the disease. And now we you know we need to think, consider things like vaping as well. So you know anything that would be a further irritant can potentially exacerbate um, the disease. What's the process as it stands here? I know the unions have been campaigning. Uh, I'm, we've covered the story previously. I just can't put my finger on exactly where any review of the of the rules are at here. Can you help, Merrin? Well, so I mean, but prior to you know Australia announcing the the ban, uh, New Zealand had you know with with ACC Ministry of Health and, and WorkSafe do have established guidelines um, to you know, to try to help identify people who potentially are at risk of of this disease and make sure that they um, are assessed for it. Um, So, and and of course, um, WorkSafe um, having in place, you know, practices around around workplace safety, but which has already been spoken about as not being anywhere near fail-safe. So there is that. Yeah. I do recall last Mm. time we touched on this, there was a a sort of a statement, one-line statement from the relevant minister saying we've got a watching brief on, and that was about it. What would it take to follow suit? 
Well, what will it take? I mean, it, it just takes will to do it, doesn't it? I mean, there's, we've obviously got, you know, the um, industry bodies that, uh, that are already calling for action um, and, you know, to protect workers. So that really needs to be really needs to be listened to. Um, we have our medical community who are saying this is just, you know, this is, is such a, a huge uh, problem um, that's, that's waiting in the wings for them to have to deal with. Um, we have, you know, ACC, although, of course, not commenting, but, um, you know, thinking about ACC system, you know, we have workers now who are going to require uh, lifelong support um, for, you know, the life that yep. they now have left to them. Um, so, you know, it's a huge systemic issue and government really needs to um, quickly pay attention and move on this. On a couple of the side issues here, can you speak to the natural stone with uh, high silica content um, is that an issue? Well, as as Dr. Hoyer has mentioned, you know that it's it's not entirely clear. I mean, look, so this issue with engineered stone, it's really you know we've now really got a, a, a spotlight on that studies such as have been conducted I, in I think Australia. It's the adhesives, Mirren, is it not? Uh, and, and forgive me, I'm not sure if Ryan's still with us. It's the adhesives and the processing that's a real um, a real issue with the engineered stone. Is that correct, Dr. Hoy? It, primarily, it's the amount of silica that's in it, but right. definitely the, the adhesives are a concern as well, which is where the lower silica content engineered stone still carries a lot right. of questions in terms of the safety of working with it. And Mirren, just speak to this issue, a couple of other issues. There's not a, a particular safety risk with, once the stone is in situ. In other words, those who are inheriting these benches, um, as long as it's not disturbed, there's not a safety issue for the household. Am I correct? No safety issue at all. It's only when the when it's being um, processed and these very small particles of silica are being are released. released into the. And finally, on alternatives, uh, do you have a view? Because again, for many listeners here who may be influenced by the interview, that's going to be part of their thinking. What what are perfectly good alternatives? Look, going back to all of the traditional alternatives that we used to have in, in kitchens or we still have in some kitchens, all the natural products and um, stainless steel, you know, there, there, there are many uh, very good, safe products that could be put in place. I thank both of you very much for your time today and thanks so much, Dr Hoy, with us from Australia, Ryan Hoy and Merin Tafai.